0: This podcast is brought to you by the College of Nursing at Brigham Young University. For more information about its programs, faculty, students, or alumni events, please visit nursing.byu.edu. Many careers tie you to specific locations for the long term based on job opportunities. However, there is a flexibility that allows nurses to explore locally and nationally with their careers, Today, we'll learn about the benefits of travel nursing, one of the most flexible positions in the nursing field. Hey everyone, I'm Eliza Joy.
1: And I'm Ryan Larson.
0: Together, we will explore nursing careers and professional insights.
1: With exclusive interviews for nurses working jobs that you want to know about.
0: Transferring info from one nurse to another.
2: This is The College Handoff.
0: This week's episode features Ashley Dyer and Capri Buse, nursing alumni who work as travel nurses in Boston. Both share well-balanced and sensible nursing advice and experiences from working in this role. Ashley previously worked as a neuroscience nurse and now works as a psychiatric nurse while pursuing her DMP from Johns Hopkins University. Since entering the nursing field, Capri has worked in labor and delivery and has no plans to leave anytime soon. They have much to share, from roommates at BYU to roommates in the field. So let's get started.
1: So today we are so thrilled to welcome Ashley Dyer and Capri Bews. Both of them are BYU alumni. They graduated in 2018 and they are currently roommates in Boston. Thank you for coming on our show. Thank you for having us. We're excited, definitely. Okay, perfect. So like I said, you two are currently roommates, which is so exciting. But, how did you two originally meet? Did you meet through the nursing program? Did you know each other beforehand? Just tell us the story of your friendship.
3: Well, we met through the nursing program our second semester. It was the first clinical that we had. There was a couple of us um, in a clinical group. I don't remember exact number, but we were we had clinicals um in one of the assisted living centers. and Honestly, we kind of just clicked pretty quickly, um not only us two, but a couple of us. So we have a nursing group of about seven women that we still are very tight with, that we have a Marco Polo that, I mean, daily, I think I have like eleven missed Marco Polos from this group. <laughs> and we are across the country for a while. when um, one of our friends was in the Philippines, and we've just kept really close and talk about, life and also a lot of nursing stuff in this chat
2: yeah we share all our funny stories so it's great so for just a minute we're
1: gonna dive into both of your careers a little more specifically so we're gonna start with ashley so ashley you were a neuroscience nurse at the johns hopkins hospital right that's true okay that sounds very prestigious and very (laughs) intense um so could you explain to us what a neuroscience nurse does and why you were drawn to that specific part of the nursing profession? Because not many nurses seem to go into that. So what was your main appeals for that?
2: Sure. Um, so I guess when it comes to my appeal, um, I actually have epilepsy. So I was diagnosed when I was 12 years old, but I started having seizures when I was 10. And so I spent a lot of time in the hospital. Um, I like all over the world, because I I originally, or I lived in China as a child. So I was kind of started having seizures out there. I I fell down the stairs at school and got concussion, and they were trying to figure out what was going on. Um, And then I ended up going to epilepsy monitoring units at like the Mayo Clinic and primary children. So I spent a lot of time in actual uh, neuroscience epilepsy monitoring units. And that's where I kind of got exposed to Doctors and nurses, and uh, I thought doctors were so cool, but I realized while I was a patient that nurses got to do all the fun stuff, (laughs) and so that kind of drew me to nursing more than um, being an MD. But um, so I actually, after I graduated, we graduated in December, so it's kind of an awkward time because people weren't really looking for a lot of new grad nurses, (laughs) and so I had a really hard time finding a job in Utah, and so I started applying. Uh, to jobs outside of the state and there was a job at an epilepsy monitoring unit in Baltimore at Johns Hopkins Hospital and you know that's always been known as a great hospital so I applied and uh, ended up flying out for an interview and got the job so it I worked at a neuroscience and epilepsy monitoring unit. it was all in one big thing Um, we had five beds that were for epilepsy monitoring and the rest um, 20 seven or something were for neurology and neurosurgery patients. So we got a good um, wide spectrum of different types of patients, whether they were surgical or uh, neurological.
1: That's so cool. I've never heard about neuroscience nursing before. So that is really incredible that you were able to take something in your life and apply it to your career. Um, And like you said, the Johns Hopkins Hospital is a huge deal. It's widely regarded as one of the best hospitals in the United States. So what was the environment like working there? Um, Was it competitive? Was it really intimidating? What was your experience?
2: Um, At first, like going in, it was kind of intimidating. But after a while, you know, it was really fun. And I loved the culture. There were people from all over the world, whether that was doctors or nurses. I loved the um, just the kind of camaraderie we had with different people in different uh, fields there. And it was super fun. And they have a nurse residency program, too. So that was really great as well.
1: So we're going to pivot to Capri real quick. Now, Capri, instead of moving out of state, you stayed in Utah and you Mm. worked at the LDS Hospital in Labor and Delivery, right? Right. Yes. Okay. so our nursing students are really familiar with LDS Hospital. We've done clinical rotations there. I feel like it's a standard hospital you think of when you think about Utah. Um, but what did you love about working at LDS Hospital? What drew you to that environment?
3: Mm, great question. Um, I knew I wanted to stay in Utah for a little bit longer. I wasn't yet brave enough to like leave the state. I was like, oh, that sounds too scary. And so I... Remember looking around for labor and delivery jobs, and it's pretty hard sometimes to get into labor and delivery as a new grad, um, but definitely not impossible. And I remember applying for quite a few different ones, and this one felt like a comfortable level for me, where it wasn't as um, high acuity as some of the other hospitals, but still not the super small hospitals. Um, so I went there, and I really liked the focus that i felt like the hospital had on like teamwork in their hospital but then also there's just a lot of female doctors that were really um pro like listening to the patients trying to figure out what the patients wanted trying to do things according to how the patient wants and i felt like that was really cool because i had seen a lot of like not a lot of that happening in some of the other um clinicals I'd done not necessarily in labor and delivery but it kind of didn't I guess I gotta say it didn't feel like a machine when I was there it felt like okay they get to take some of their time with their patient and we're not just kind of like going through the motions spitting these people out as quickly as we can we can kind of focus on them and I really like that focus so yeah that's why I
1: chose it that's an incredible focus I think that's what all patients want is just to feel like they're being cared for as a human and they're not in this machine so I'm so glad that you were able to experience that. Um, labor and delivery tends to be a very popular field among our nursing students. I'm mm-hmm. sure you guys know that and are familiar with mm-hmm. that. But Capri, yep. on a personal level, why do you love labor and delivery? Oh, I love that question because um, so the reason I chose to be go into labor
3: and delivery wasn't anything crazy exciting. Um, but the reason I choose to stay and why I love it has It's something that's like grown um, while I've worked in it. And I think one of my favorite things about labor and delivery is I am just, as as I grow up and see my siblings raise their kids and I see my sisters, um, I guess my sister raised her kids and then other people, I am just in awe at how difficult and how like, all-encompassing it is to be a mother and I have so much just I'm in awe at these women who choose to have a baby because I see that it's like giving up so much of their life to have a baby and their body and their mind and everything and being a part of helping that woman have this beautiful experience of having a baby and connect and then also trying to help get the dad more involved, to connect more in the situation, um, to be able to be there to support because a lot of women don't get a lot of support from their significant other, from a boyfriend if it wasn't planned. And so I love the opportunity that I have to try to create an environment in the labor and delivery room that is supportive and just celebrating how amazing this woman is to do this and how helpful this man can be to help her um, and try to make it a really beautiful moment when they get to connect with the baby. It's just, I love it.
1: So you two are not working these jobs anymore. You two are both travel nurses in Boston, right? Yep, holla. (laughs) Okay, so what is a travel nurse? How did you come to be a travel nurse? Like, what's the story there?
2: Yeah, so I guess explaining what a travel nurse is. um, Travel nursing has been going on since far before COVID, um, but I think it's picked up steam during COVID for sure. Um, But travel nurses basically are nurses that sign usually three-month contracts at different hospitals um that are short staffed and they're able to pick up for um the short staffing and help out for short periods and after three months sometimes they will be asked to extend uh their contract which we have been um and other times you can just go somewhere different and basically there's travel nursing contracts in all 50 states like my friend just went to hawaii um you can go to alaska you can go anywhere in all the 50 states um But when it comes to how we found travel nursing, I guess during COVID, it's definitely picked up. And so I worked with tons of travel nurses during COVID um, on my own unit and became really good friends with them. And I never really thought I would be um, a travel nurse. But one day, for some reason, um, I just felt really prompted to do it. Like it was actually a very spiritual experience. And God was like, you're not going to be here as long as you think. And I'm like, what? And then suddenly it was like, you're going to be a travel nurse. And so I was like, okay, but it's very scary doing this by yourself because, you know, you're like, I'm going into the unknown. I have no idea where I'm going. No idea what it's going to be like. So I ended up calling up Capri and being like, hey, uh, do you want to be a travel nurse with me? (laughs) And she was like, yeah, I'm so down, which was like a miracle and perfect opportunity. And it's been a blast.
3: Yeah, and I and I think one of the things with travel nursing too that is a little intimidating is you're kind of thrown in. You get maybe two days of training, and then you're expected to be able to perform similarly to the other nurses that are on the unit. Um, and so I think we've both been very fortunate to have units that are super welcoming. We were nervous maybe people won't like us because you know we're travel nurses, or maybe they'll give us all the hardest patients. But they've been super kind, super supportive. And it was very scary thinking about going and just having to, to start up really quickly. And you don't know the doctors. You don't know how the charting. It was a totally new charting system for both of us.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And learning it in two days was a little tricky. Um, And then, yeah, for me, I uh, had been thinking somewhat about leaving the state. It was time. And then my sister actually asked me to go help her have her baby in Vietnam. And she was nervous about the hospitals there. So I ended up quitting my job in Utah, went to Vietnam for a couple months and got to help her deliver her baby in Vietnam and actually like be her nurse in some ways because they were super short-staffed. And before I left, I was like, what am I going to do when I get back? I think maybe travel nursing. And that's when Ashley called up and was like, okay, yes, this is the courage I need. We have a buddy that we can do this with. We don't have to be alone. We have someone to like commiserate
2: with when it's hard. And so, Yeah. Yeah. And you also get paid way more than you get paid as a staff nurse. So that's been awesome too, for sure. But you need to work like one to two years uh, on a staff unit generally before they will let you be a travel nurse because you have to be able to understand the field already. And um, I guess I heard once in a podcast that you have to be able to take the hardest patient they have. Um, So that is kind of where you need to be at to be a travel nurse.
1: So Ashley, as a travel nurse, you do psychiatric nursing, right? Yes, and that was actually a total accident. Really? Okay, so like how did you get into psychiatric nursing then?
2: What's the story? It was just travel nursing. So I actually um we decided we want to go to Boston because we we're like that sounds really awesome plus the single adult ward sounds cool because <laughs> we're both single. And um we I got a neuroscience contract at my hospital out here. Um, and the first day of work, um, I saw that they had telemetry or cardiac monitoring and we did not have that, um, at Johns Hopkins in neuroscience. And they were like, oh, so you already know how to do this. Right. And I'm like, I mean, I've been trained in it, but I've never actually had that on my unit. And so they started freaking out a little bit and I started freaking out a little bit. Um, but I was like, oh, maybe they can teach me, you know, like I'd I'd be willing to learn and do that. Um. But rather than doing that, I ended up losing my job on the first day of work, <laughs> which was great. Um, so but the the staffing uh, office was trying to help me and figure it out because I had already signed a contract and I had put on my application that I didn't know telemetry. But I guess they hadn't read it clearly enough and just assumed, oh, you're from Johns Hopkins. Therefore, you must know telemetry and have that experience. Um So, anyway, as the staffing office was trying to, like, figure out what to do, um, the psychiatric uh, nursing director walks in to the room, and the lady was like, oh, my gosh, um, will will you take this girl? Like, she was like, there's only one unit in our entire hospital without telemetry. And I was like, okay, what unit is it? And they're like, how do you feel about psych? And it's really funny because, actually, I was a psychiatric nursing TA in nursing school. And me and Capri, Capri was a communications TA, and we would do all the psychiatric nursing simulations uh, in nursing school. Um, So we would pretend to be bipolar, schizophrenia, uh, depression, anxiety patients uh, to help the nursing students learn how to therapeutically communicate. So I've always been somewhat interested in psych, uh, whereas I think for a lot of people who had the same experience as me would have been like, no way, I I would not want to be a psych nurse. (laughs) But I just was like, Sure. And they, so they did an impromptu interview for me on the spot uh, to be a psych travel nurse. And I I mean, in neuro, you get a lot of confused patients, you get a little bit of psych. So I had some background experience, but they were like, okay, like, we'll see how it goes. And if you like it, and I was like, okay. So thankfully it was a very good, it's been a very good experience. I have renewed my contract twice because I've liked it so much. And my colleagues have been so supportive in teaching me different things and I've learned so much. So it's been a really enriching, cool accident.
1: (laughs) Well, that's so good to hear that you enjoy where you are, even if it was an accident. Uh, I want to go more into the overlaps and differences between neuroscience nursing and psych nursing. Like all nursing um, professions, I imagine there's overlap and differences. So what are some of those overlaps? What are some of the differences and how have you
2: learned to adjust to those differences? Yeah. So honestly, it doesn't matter what kind of nurse you are, you're going to get psych patients. Uh, it really doesn't matter. Mental health is and, and mental illness are very prevalent. And so, I, I mean, you could be in labor and delivery and get a psych patient. you can, I mean, the ED will see a ton of psych patients. Um, so when I was a neuroscience nurse, we got a lot of people that needed psychiatric consults. And, and part of that may have been due to neurological conditions that caused hallucinations and stuff like that. Um, but other parts were just, Oh, this person actually has anxiety or depression, we also in the epilepsy monitoring unit, we had people who were not having neurological seizures, but were having what's called psychogenic seizures, where it's all psychological, there's no um, abnormal brain activity, no EEG changes. um, But they're having all the symptoms of a seizure. So I got to see a lot of that too. But I must say, like, when I was a neuroscience nurse, I had a lot less patients with psych, or like patients with a CE with um, psychiatric patients, I would get a lot more riled up. Uh, like my last week working there, I, I had a psych patient and it was really hard on me. Um, so it's been really cool to see how my patients with a CE has kind of built up as I've worked more with them and been able to understand their history, whether that's trauma and abuse or just because a lot of it stems from that, uh, at least on my unit, um, and been able to be more empathetic towards these people who have had so many struggles in life and who because of that are presenting in the way they are.
1: So do you feel like travel nursing is a really good match if you're going back to school for a grad degree?
2: Um, I know my school would want me to say no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but my school is virtual and I know a lot of people, um, who are travel nurses that are actually back in school, whether that's for a psychiatric NP, I'm, I'm in a DNP FNP program. Um, I'm not sure how long I will be able to keep working while doing, um, school just because my clinicals start this summer and I'm going to have to see how work-life balance goes. Um, but it's definitely possible for sure. I know a lot of my travel nurse colleagues have done it the entire time. So I, I think it's been nice as well with the extra uh, money because, you know, when you're in school, you know, it's, it's expensive, it is. So it's, it's been really nice.
0: BYU nursing students, don't forget you have free access to Lip and Cop procedures, a compilation of evidence-based nursing and healthcare methods with step-by-step guides for use in clinicals and classroom scenarios. The portal is at guides.lib.byu.edu forward slash nursing.
1: Capri, we're going to pivot to you now. You're still working labor and delivery as a travel nurse, right? I did not get shifted to psych. No. <laughs> so I feel like In Utah and at BYU, we have a very unique perspective on labor and delivery and the birthing experience just because, you know, we are very gospel oriented and we talk about that a lot. So do you feel like as you've traveled to Boston and Vietnam, do you feel like the attitude towards labor and delivery changes from place to place or does it seem to be pretty universal? When
3: I was at LDS Hospital, we have a board and most hospitals for labor and delivery have a board. And when you go in there, you see this board, um and all the nursing staff and doctors get to see it, and it kind of has the patients how old they are, how many kids they've had. Um, and I just remember coming to Boston. and in Salt Lake City, there was like, oh, a twenty three year old woman having their first child a twenty six year old having their second child or third child or whatever. Um, and then I get to. Um, Boston, and I see the board the first day, and no one was under the age of 34. And it was like a 35 year old having their first child, a 43 year old having their first child, a 39 year old having a second child, but nobody was having a third child. And for a couple, I think it was about three weeks, I didn't see anyone have a third child. And I just thought that was really fascinating that, okay, we have different dynamics in family sizes, and a lot of things, um, but I feel like the just excitement and focus around having a child and nervousness, it, all that is really similar wherever you go. Yeah, there are different practices of how people approach it. There have been a lot of people I've worked with um, here from different cultures. In Salt Lake, I actually worked with a lot of Hispanic people in the hospital and do, I think There are some different approaches due to the culture uh, you're from, but overall people are just really excited and really have been looking forward to having a kid. And for a lot of people, it's something that didn't pan out the way they wanted, whether it was because they were not able to get pregnant and um, haven't been able to until they're older. But yeah, I think in a lot of ways it's similar um, for the excitement, but maybe the amount of kids is a little different.
1: I want to hear more about your experience in Vietnam, because that is so cool that you were able to go over there and help your sister. So what was your experience in Vietnam, you know, being a nurse and kind of being immersed in the medical world over there temporarily?
3: So I actually got to have a little bit of insight beforehand, because on my BYU study abroad for nursing school, I went to Vietnam and that was before my sister lived there and so we got to go to the hospital for a day and just go around and see different things that were in the hospital how the hospital situations were and when I my sister asked me to go I was like okay at least I have an idea of what these hospitals can be like the one where she's at I assumed to be a little bit um nicer in a little bit of a nicer area and so Um, I didn't know what to expect but I at least had some idea of of what maybe it might be like and then we got to go tour the hospital before she had her baby. Um, I got to quarantine for two weeks in a hotel by myself before um, going to help her. Got some nice uh, frog leg stew, octopus pancakes and I it was an exciting uh, couple of weeks but I went uh, when she actually went into labor, uh, we went to the hospital. At first, they weren't going to let me in because they were like, "Oh, you can only have one support person because of COVID." But because we'd written that I was a doula on the sheet, they said, "Okay, you can come in." They were super short staffed. They had one nurse for a couple of patients, some of them delivering, and so my sister didn't really get much attention. Um, And they monitored her for a little bit, but not for very long. And so basically, it felt like some ways the nursing was up to us. Um, I think they did the best they could with the resources that they had. And it kind of felt like our hospitals, maybe like 20 years ago, some of the practices they were using, it was like, oh, okay, we don't use that anymore in the US. But I tried to respect their boundaries, as well as tried to do what I felt like was the best for my sister. And so yeah, she ended up having a beautiful delivery. Um, I felt like there was a time there were times when, you know, the baby they weren't monitoring the baby and there were certain things happening. She was bleeding and different things. So I grabbed the monitors and put them on her and kind of coaching a little bit, directing some of the nursing <laughs> the nurse and the, the doctor. They said, Oh, she can't push yet. And I said, This baby's heart rate is very low. It's been low for a couple of minutes and she's bleeding out. She needs to have this baby right now. We can deliver it. The other doctor does not need to come. And they were like, oh, okay. (laughs) And so, but they were very capable. Like they were just trying to respect their policies and stuff, but they were definitely very capable. And so she had the, the baby, um, just fine. It ended up being okay. And yeah, it was, it was a rush and it was a very exciting experience and emotionally and spiritually, it's just one of the coolest things to see your sibling work through that. And, um, be so brave and have a baby so it was beautiful
1: we're gonna pivot to kind of our final questions that will be open to both of you so travel nursing by the way you guys have described it sounds really incredible um it sounds like such a gift to the healthcare world, but again, like any nursing profession, there are unique struggles and trials that come with the profession. So, with travel nursing, what are some of those unique struggles and challenges that you've had to work through, and how have you worked through them and learned to cope with them?
2: I guess I can go first. Um, with COVID being a big deal, um, I it's been interesting to see how different hospitals um, deal with COVID, different policies on COVID. When I was at Johns Hopkins, um, I mean, I guess it was a while back, you know, while COVID was just starting. And so we definitely took COVID very seriously. And um, it was kind of a crazy experience because you know, I was trained to be someone who would go to different hospital buildings and train people on how to don and doff um, PPE uh, or, oh oh my gosh, what does PPE stand for? protective equipment. There we go. Um, And so I've, I've been very well trained on that. And then I was a safety officer that would help people don and doff PPE correctly. I was a transport safety officer that would help Uh, transport patients from the emergency room to imaging or emergency room to um, COVID units, uh, any patient that had COVID or was suspected of having COVID. So I became very well acquainted with COVID and uh, safety measures for it. And then the other week, uh, we had a COVID breakout on my unit, um, where basically all but five of the patients got COVID. (laughs) And It was just interesting seeing how differently COVID was treated, whether that's because of the times or whether that's because of the hospital. I don't really know. Um, It was a little bit anxiety provoking um, just because I had been trained so differently from them. And I was used to the ways that I had been taught of how to handle COVID. And their ways were a little bit different from mine. And so that was kind of stressful um, for me. And I feel like for me, you work as a
3: nurse and you start out kind of at the bottom of the totem pole in a way. And you kind of build your way up, you build relationships, you gain more knowledge, you gain more skills, and you start to become more confident in what you're doing. And then after a year, after two years, you feel like, okay, I I think I've got a lot of this down. I'm feeling like a pretty confident nurse. And then you start travel nursing and it's like your whole world flips upside down and all these things that you knew either don't apply to this hospital or are a little bit different. And so it's really humbling (laughs) to have to ask a lot of questions all over again and to have to... um, think that something's one way and then someone tells you, oh, that's not how you do it. And you're like, wait, I know that, that it's okay to do this because I've done it. But then they say, no, that's not how we do it here. So you have to be very open. And that can be difficult sometimes to receive criticism, to receive... and. They're not trying to be rude, um, but they're just trying to help. But it's definitely hard because you're used to being maybe a source that people would go to to ask questions. And while you still are in a way, you're still asking a lot of questions. And so I think it keeps you on your toes, especially when you change travel jobs every three months or um, even once a year or whatever it is. It definitely um, can be uncomfortable and humbling. I feel like it's kept me like open-minded to learning the different ways that people do things, even if it's not what I thought was the right way to do it. It's, Oh, this is just a different way. And this is how they do it. So I need to adapt to them. And it doesn't matter so much about being right. It matters more about just doing what is best for that unit. Um, so that's been a challenge, but it's also been, a a good blessing for my life. <laughs>
1: So do you guys feel like the BYU College of Nursing prepared you to be travel nurses? Do you feel like your education really instilled you with some of those necessary skills for travel nursing?
2: I mean, I, I think it definitely did. I mean, as as someone who is now a randomly a psych nurse being involved um as a psychiatric TA, being involved with teaching students how to therapeutically communicate has Bless my life so much um, because it's it's been a very big life career change uh, suddenly being thrust into this totally different field and I've had to be very flexible but I've been able to draw back on you know the things I learned from nursing school the things I learned from being a, a psych TA the things I learned in psych clinical um, that ha- I've been able to bring with me um, and so that's been really amazing and um, I just. I I love all the things that I learned back at BYU. I love our professors. We we still keep in touch with a lot of them, honestly. And it's just, it's so great to feel like we're all part of this big community and are able to still help one another, whether that's with our classmates who we have a big Marco Polo group with, whether that's just asking questions uh, to our Facebook group that we created in nursing school for our entire class. Like we still throw things off each other and we're like, who's travel nursing, want to learn more about it? Or but there's an open job here in, in Utah. Does anybody interested or know anybody? Like we're just this one big community and I, I love it so much.
3: I totally agree with that. I think the community has been one of the largest impacts for sure in my life. Like aka we are roommates right now and that wouldn't have happened unless we went to BYU together and our nation group. I also think like I know it sounds really cheesy, but the whole healer's art like i feel that as a nurse i'm not there just to clinically like physically help these patients all of them need just as much help emotionally and spiritually as they do physically and so i feel like because BYU focuses so much on that it's not just this physical program of do this do this do this it's we have religion classes we have professors who would share spiritual experiences that helped me to just kind of see that all as one thing and not to, or not a separating oh nursing is physical it's no nursing is all-encompassing whole healing and I think if someone were to watch me as a nurse I would hope and I believe that they would definitely see how important that is to me Um, that it's an entire healing process. And so when I work with my patients, I'm very focused and aware of their spiritual and and emotional needs
2: just as much as I am their physical needs. I can definitely agree with that too. It's been so cool to especially work with patients when you know that they have Christian beliefs or uh, religious backgrounds and sort of be able to share spiritual messages with them um, and I just remember like a funny experience. My, my patient was on the toilet, but she was, cause I mean, that's really normal in nursing where you have to be with them when they're on full risk. And she was just talking to me about her struggles and the gospel. I mean, she wasn't a member of the church, but I was able to kind of share a spiritual messes with her while she was sitting on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> she She was very appreciative. And afterwards I'm like, do you want to see a chaplain? Like, By the way, chaplains are amazing. They're like really cool, like spiritual slash therapists, and you should make use of them. Um, But I I was like, "Do you want to see the chaplain? Like, they're really awesome." And she's like, "No, I'm okay. You were my chaplain today." And I was like, "Oh!" And like the other day, I also had a patient who was a less active member. Of the LDS church, and she really wanted a priesthood blessing. And I'm like, I don't think any of our chaplains can give you that. And with COVID, I don't think we can have any visitors. And so she asked me to pray with her. And so I prayed with her. And the next day I come into work and she's like, I think your prayer worked. Like, I feel so much better. And this was some a psych patient, someone who had postpartum psychosis. And so just seeing that change and being able to kind of share, share the gospel, share the spirit with her was a really cool, uplifting experience.
1: I love that you guys bring up the healer's art. I think BYU is so unique because we do take a very spiritual perspective on nursing, but it's true. like Nursing is very physical, but it's also very emotional and spiritual. I think we do need to have that holistic view when we are healing those around us. Do you guys think you will continue to renew your contracts and continue travel nursing or do you guys think you're going to return to a more stable, not that travel nursing isn't stable, but a more um, stable like this is my only hospital and I'm going to be here for a few years? That is the question of the moment.
3: (laughs) We're both like, oh, what do we do? Do we? I guess. Ashley probably knows more than I do because she has schooling um, that kind of keeps her a little bit more in one place. You can stay in one area for up to a year, but then you have to move to a different area if you want to continue to be a travel nurse. Mm, not necessarily. You can, If you want the stipends and to yeah. be paid as much as a. you can be paid as a travel nurse.
2: Yeah, because you can be a local travel nurse as well. Uh, but the only difference is when you are a national travel nurse, you get what's called tax-free stipends. So you want your hourly wage to be lower so that you're taxed less, and then the tax-free stipends cover the, um, your housing, food, parking, that kind of stuff. When you're a local travel nurse, you can get paid a lot more as well, but you're also going to be taxed more. So your hourly wage is going to be a lot higher, but that because of that, you're going to be taxed more. So if I wanted to stay more than a year, I could become a local travel nurse and just get rid of the tax stipends, get paid more, but be taxed more.
1: What advice do you have for current nursing students and nurses already in the profession that are thinking about becoming a travel nurse? Go for it. Do (laughs)
2: it. (laughs) the best um so great but yeah just get get experienced um in your area for a year or two um but and then after that you know the the world is your oyster the the country is your oyster you know I mean you
3: just you meet so many new people and so many different cultures and it's just like it's so it's so like life opening to like get to know
2: these just different ways of life it's so amazing and we have uh students or not students we have people in our semester that are travel nurses and they're married you know it it just you don't have to be single to be a travel nurse um one of our colleagues she's married and she and her husband travel around uh every three months and she loves it Well, Ashley and Capri, thank you so
1: much for being on the podcast and for talking with us, you know, all things travel nursing and just um, the time you've taken out of your schedule to do this. Thank you,
3: guys.
0: Catherine, thank you so much for your help with that interview. I really love how two friends from school can still support one another, even as they start their careers.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. And I also love the notion that their cohort uses Marco Polo to connect and celebrate their accomplishments. That's so fun. And I bet as nurses, like they vent and share frustrations because, you know, it can be hard sometimes.
0: So this is slightly off topic, um, but I recently found a blog that gave some helpful text messages to share um, with someone who's having a bad day, maybe. Um, It's on easternprogress.com. So maybe if we share a few of these, it can help our listeners and their friends when someone's not really sure what to say to someone having a bad day. Yeah, yeah.
1: I love this idea. I'll start. The first one is what can I do to help? Psychologist Dr. Heidi Heimler suggests avoiding telling others what they need. Instead, inquire. They will feel good knowing you've
0: offered. The next one is keep me posted. These might sound impersonal and dismissive, but it's a way to offer space. Dr. Heimler also states that letting them know that you're interested in how things will shape up shows that you care and that they can update you at their own convenience. So the next one, I really love this one.
1: It's remember when you thought you couldn't do X, Y, and Z? Well, you did. It's so important to ramp up the confidence of who
0: you're talking to. And this is the perfect way to do it. And this one's just so beautiful. It's just about gratitude. Um, I appreciate all that you do for me. Sometimes it feels like no matter what we do, it's not enough and reminding your friend that you see them and their efforts, contributions, their sacrifices, it will really help them realize that they're valued where it counts.
1: Yeah, and then the last one is do you want to talk about your day? Offering them the opportunity to dictate how they deal with their deconstruction of their lousy day can alleviate the potential stress of having to relive it all too soon. Clinical psychologist Dr. Bethany Cook suggests that many people cope by emotionally shutting down and not talking about it. I know I'm prone to do that. Asking your person if he or she would like to vent rather than assuming that to be the case will allow you to become more aware of their situation and adjust as needed.
0: I loved all of those. They're so sweet. I feel like this is a good reminder to me that I should be reaching out to my friends more. Well, that's all we have for you guys today. Um, Don't forget to tune in next week for another awesome episode. Don't forget to like and follow us on Instagram at thecollegehandoff. Until next time.